Welcome to this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health, on ReachMD XM157. The government-funded prospective study of the safety and efficacy of hormone replacement therapy in the menopause practically stopped the routine prescription of estrogen overnight. Why? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Michael Benson, your host. Our guest today is Dr. Richard Karras, professor of medicine at the Tufts University School of Medicine in Boston. He has several titles, including co-director, Molecular Cardiology Research Center, director, Preventive Cardiology, and director, Women's Heart Center at the New England Medical Center. He received his MD from Tufts and his PhD in physiology from Harvard. We are discussing the effects of hormone replacement therapy in menopause on the risk of cardiovascular disease. Hello, Dick. Hi. Let's first talk about the studies done before the Women's Health Initiative. What can you tell us about the observational studies that preceded WHI? So the observational studies that preceded the WHI were a widespread collection of non-related studies in which they looked at very large populations of women who either chose to or chose not to take postmenopausal hormone therapy and followed those women and looked at whether they had differences in their risk of subsequent cardiovascular events. And when looked at across the board or when looked at individually in the larger studies, there was a consensus from these observational studies that women who chose to take postmenopausal hormone therapy had about a 35 to 40% reduction in cardiovascular events. And it was those findings really that were the strongest support for the design and execution then of the Women's Health Initiative. I heard somewhere a statistic there were something like 3,000 studies. I don't know if they were all observational, but there's, that there were something like 3,000 studies of estrogen in the menopause. Does that sound possible? Perhaps in a very broad net, but in terms of actual observational studies looking at clinical outcomes of any size, I'd say it's probably more like 30. Well, it's still a substantial number, though. It is, and they're very, and there's some very important things about this we'll get into, I'm sure, but some of these are very large. The, the most prominent of these is called the Nurses' Health Study, and that has follow-up on somewhere around 250,000 women years of experience. So one of the strong points of observational studies is that you can follow very large populations over long periods of time, including 20 years of follow-up, which are approaches that you just can't do in the context of a randomized control trial. That's actually a pretty impressive thought. I understand that perhaps 20% of the population moves every year. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So these long-term studies are hard to do. What about the mechanistic studies that sought to explain the protective effect of estrogen before Women's Health Initiative study? Yeah, so that's a really great second piece of this. So the first piece that suggested that hormone therapy reduced cardiovascular risk came from the observational studies. And then the next question that comes to people's minds is, does that make sense? Why would that be? And the corollary of that is, what do hormones do in the body that affect cardiovascular risk? And so there are about a decade's worth in the modern era, there are obviously a few studies here and there going way back, but about a decade's worth of intensive investigation of what do hormones do in the body that might affect cardiovascular risk. 
And I tend to think about the effects of hormones on cardiovascular risk in two broad categories. There are effects on systemic or circulating factors, like on lipid values, on inflammatory mediators, on coagulation and fibrinolytic factors, and in glucose and carbohydrate metabolism. What we've particularly been interested in, but other groups have as well, is that it turns out that the cardiovascular system itself also expresses estrogen receptors and also is a target, is an end organ that's affected by hormonal stimulation. The vasculature? The vasculature and the heart have both been shown to express uh, estrogen receptors and for estrogen itself and progesterone to have direct effects on those Organs. What about the Women's Health Initiative itself? There are these studies that prompted, was it the NIH to fund the study? Yes, that's correct. And I believe they spent millions of dollars on this. Is that correct? Probably around three or four hundred million. Three or four hundred million dollars. So tell us about the, the study. It was an important effort to better delineate these effects. It was. And historically, I've recapitulated this really nicely. So, you know, there was good evidence from observational studies. There was biological plausibility, as we call it, from the mechanistic studies. And there were a group of people at that time who felt that the FDA should just plain approve hormones for cardiovascular risk reduction. And there was a lot of discussion and controversy, and the decision was made that what we need is a randomized controlled trial. And that is where the Women's Health Initiative was formed. I'll try and explain this concisely and briefly, but there are two separate studies within the cardiovascular arm of the Women's Health Initiative. In the larger of those, there were about 16,000 women who were randomized to receive either placebo or a fixed-dose combination of conjugated equine estrogens plus medroxyprogesterone acetate, or MPA as I'll call it. And that's often called the E plus P trial, or the combined hormone trial. I do have a question about that. Since conjugated equine estrogen is actually kind of a gamish, did the WHI actually use Premarin? Yes. So it, it had to use Premarin, and I mean, if it's going to, that was the drug, because it really truly is no generic. In fact, my understanding is not everybody even knows what is totally in Premarin. Is that fair? That's all true. In this combined arm, of course, it was what's called PremPro. So it's Premarin with the MPA combined. The second study was about 11,000 women who had previously been hysterectomized. And so they were then randomized to placebo versus Premarin alone. And that's a very focused now on the design of the trial, but that's a very important aspect of the interpretation of the trial is how much it reflects the effects of just this specific agent given orally versus effects of these hormones given in other manners and other doses or other forms. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Dr. Richard Karras, professor of medicine at the Tufts University School of Medicine in Boston. We are discussing the effects of hormone replacement therapy in menopause on the risk of cardiovascular disease. You had just mentioned that this was an important study in terms of, or an important detailed study in terms of route of administration. Is there a thought that estrogen given 
by other routes, perhaps transdermally, has different effects? Yes. Yeah, there's actually a reasonable literature about some of those differences. And it seems mostly to reflect the fact that oral hormones have a first-pass hepatic effect. And it's through that first-pass hepatic effect that it affects both lipids and coagulation. The effects of hormones on lipids are generally thought to be beneficial because it lowers LDL, raises HDL, and lowers triglycerides. And the effects on coagulation are perhaps likely to be adverse in that they promote at least venous thrombosis. And so the issue is there could be both beneficial and harmful effects of either administration because you'll you'll lose both of those first pass hepatic effects. Well, the uh, WHI was a study of the oral route, so what did it find? Well, the primary outcome was either fatal or non-fatal cardiac event, and then there were numerous secondary outcomes including other cardiovascular endpoints like stroke and pulmonary embolism, venous thrombosis and other non-cardiac endpoints such as breast cancer, colon cancer, and bone fractures. In the combined study, the E plus P study, which was stopped early, there was a trend toward an approximately 24% increase in the primary endpoint, which was either not statistically significant or marginally so, depending on how you look at the statistics. And there was a similar trend toward an increase of about 25% in the risk of breast cancer. And so with no clear evidence that there were going to be any benefits and their concern being that there was actually harm, the study was stopped early. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Dr. Richard Karras, professor of medicine at the Tufts University School of Medicine in Boston. We are discussing the effects of hormone replacement therapy in menopause and the risk of cardiovascular disease. You made an allusion to the idea that it wasn't necessarily a statistically significant increase. Did I understand you correctly? Correct, yeah. Then the question is, of course, why would they stop the study before these adverse effects reach statistical significance? Yeah, because the other reason that safety committees stop studies is if it's unlikely that the benefit that had been hypothesized will appear. And there had been enough events and far enough into the study that the likelihood that it would switch all the way around to show a benefit was too small. Right, because it did have benefit on a reduction of risk of colon cancer and osteoporosis. Is that correct? Very important point. That's exactly right. And on total fractures, the reduction is quite dramatic. I see. But I think for perspective, and this is an important idea, the issue is that because it was postulated to be very beneficial for heart health, and because the study started showing an adverse trend, even though it didn't reach statistical significance, the fact that it clearly was not going to show benefit was reason enough to probably stop the study. Correct. That's how, that was the reasoning. Exactly. To finish the outcomes in the E alone, the Premarin alone study, that study was allowed to continue for several years. It too was then discontinued one year prior to its planned termination. And that decision was made by the NIH. There, there was a non-significant there was really no effect. The hazard ratio was 0.96, which was obviously not different than one. It was discontinued not because it trended toward damage or injury, but simply because it didn't trend toward benefit. Correct. 
And interestingly, this is a little off our topic, but the effect on breast cancer, which has been so much discussed, in the estrogen alone trial, the trend went the other way toward a 25% reduction in breast cancer. And that's been somewhat confusing and controversial as well. I can well understand that. I want to thank Dr. Richard Karras, professor of medicine at the Tufts University School of Medicine in Boston, who has been our guest. We have been discussing the effects of hormone replacement therapy in menopause and the risk of cardiovascular disease. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at ReachMD.com, which now features our entire medical show library in on-demand podcasts. Be safe. Be informed. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to our special series, Exploring Heart Health. Join us all month for more here on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals.